Welcome back to the Epic Release Adventures podcast. This is the second episode, and today we are going to be talking elk. Talking elk hunting, applying for elk hunts. Got a good story to finish it off of Tim's elk hunt. But we're all back together again, Tim, Josh, and myself. What's up, guys? Back at it. So, we'll start off, I mean, just talking about some of the stuff going on. You know, last week we told everyone about our Kansas City Chiefs game, braving the cold weather. Well, this week we didn't have to brave the cold weather since the game was in Buffalo, but our Chiefs pulled it off again. Another team victory. That's right. I love it. I love two words, wide right. <laughs> so what What do we decide? This is how many years in a row AFC Championship? Six. Six. So. <clears throat> I'm not even Chiefs fan, and I knew that. Well, that's good. You're you're a football fan, so six straight. I mean, can't uh, deny greatness as much as I would like to. But six years in a row, that's the cut. Yeah. So um, I know this last week, um, the Missouri Department of Conservation did put out the harvest numbers for this past season. Did you guys take a look at those? Pretty high. Yep. For firearms, pretty easy to get high numbers when you have 18 guns. Well, that's what we're, I was going to talk we're about a little bit. The number for firearms deer was 326,026. Of that, how many do you think, what percentage or what about number wise do you think came from archery hunting? <laughs> Less than 15%. Now you're going to make me do math. 55,000. <laughs> 396 came from archery. So, so 55,000 from 326,000. Less than 20%. Less than 20. You said 15, Josh? Yeah. So, so therefore, brings the question, what was your guys' thoughts on having a dozen rifle seasons? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> It's like every every other week there was a new season. Oh, no, I'm going out hunting. Oh, I thought rifle season was over. Oh, this is an extended urban yeah. over-the-counter. Yeah. For this certain county. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, I mean, I get, I get the process. I just don't know if killing more deer is a way to curb CWD. I mean, that's... I think and that's, let's make it clear. That's the reason why. I think that's what they're is driving as many seasons as we have. Right. You're saving all the deer from CWD. Yeah, save more you kill, the more you save. That's right. Which there was some cases, you know, cases here in Christian County. Well, oh yeah, I mean in Stone I'm, County actually. Yeah, Stone, yeah. Stone you saw like Grant Woods had yeah. his deer. Yeah, yep. his his buck that he shot this year tested positive. So, other than that, um, what else do you think you guys seen lately going on in the hunting world that or fishing world that's making any kind of news it's just that off season so yeah. you get stuff prepared like fishing wise you know getting the reels clean changing out lines um, maybe getting a cold day in here or there but I did I actually saw something and I know we're probably still a little too far south but that this cold weather is actually helping with actually ice fishing in Missouri so people are actually getting to do some ice well, fishing. Did you guys see the? <laughs> it's because the temperatures lakes. are low enough to freeze things, so you can go ice fishing. <laughs> right. Did you guys see the lakes when we went up towards uh, Clinton? 
yeah, yeah. Seems to be frozen over. Yeah. So I mean, if you think about that, go another couple hours north. How much you know thick, you know thicker the ice would be, so you actually could get out there, especially some of them farm ponds. Those you know bigger farm lakes. That's one thing I've never done. Me either. You guys haven't been ice fishing? Never no. been ice. Fishing. That's something I have done, and uh, on we went for uh, Christmas one year. My uncle he lives up in Minnesota. He's a big ice fisherman, and uh, Christmas Eve we went ice fishing and. It's eerie, I'll tell you that much. Uh, hearing that ice crack as you're sitting on it, and knowing you're out on a body of water. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I mean, God knows how deep it was. I don't even remember. But uh, driving your truck out there, and but you know, they it's they got that down to a science out there. They have it all flagged off and how far you can go and yeah, everything else. But uh, you guys know how much I hate cold water. Yeah, falling in the water would be horrible. But for me, it's the thought of not being able to get out. Oh, yeah. Because if you, like, fall down in and, and you wash move under. one way or the other. Well, there's, there's still feet. current sometimes underneath. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then all you can do is look up and, oh, and hope. <laughs> watch the light fade. <laughs> it sounds horrible to me. All righty. We'll move on from there and go into a little bit more of the body of the podcast. We are going to talk about elk and elk hunting. So I, I made a couple notes here, and I figured we'd just start off by asking the question, what it is about elk hunting that makes you love it? Or with you, Josh, knowing that you haven't went elk hunting, what it is that makes you want to do it so much? I'll go. So what I like about it the most, I, uh, I don't know if I should say the most, what I enjoy about it a lot is just being out west um i normally get out west once if not twice a year one of those times being hunting sometimes the first time the first trip out being a family vacation slash scouting trip but just being out west in general is a, a large reason why i go being in the mountains being in the back country the different landscapes air feels different sun feels different getting so, up in the mountains so so being out in Colorado is, is the big draw or not necessarily Colorado out west is the big draw of why um, and then what do you think comparatively hunting whitetail to hunting elk what would you say you get more excited or you would rather pursue elk than deer or is it just a change of venue and I wouldn't say I'm ready to give up my whitetail hunting but as far as nerves go I, I think just because we're flatlanders and don't go um, or, or haven't been as much as some someone that has grown up out there being a resident hunting elk chasing elk over in the Rocky Mountains ever since they were you know a teenager um They've had more encounters with elk, shot at more elk, killed more elk. Um, I think just the sheer fact that we don't have those numbers, my anxiety levels are a little higher on an elk. Okay. So I agree with you um, about going out west is a big part of it. I'm, I love the mountains. Um, I hadn't realized how much I love the mountains until this last year when we went back. Um, I went as a kid and... You know, in high school age, we went elk hunting, like I said, growing up, and I liked the mountains. I mean, it was cool. Never did I realize how much I really, 
enjoyed being out west until me and you were going out that last time. And just as soon as you started seeing the mountains, like it, like I got excited and like was ready to be like I'm a mountain man, you know, that kind of th- <laughs> thought process. Well, when you go out there and you go in any one of those little stores, you always see a sign that says the mountains are calling and I must go. Yes, there's something to be said about that. I agree. I agree. And then also, when it comes to the hunting aspect of it. I enjoy turkey hunting a lot, and I love killing good whitetail bucks. I, you know, I love archery hunting for deer, but I also really like to interact with like the turkey. Growing up here, calling and getting to interact was a big deal to me, and so being able to go out in archery season, elk hunting, and being able to call, move around, and then when you have elk bugling, especially within a hundred yards of you, that I mean. Hearing an elk bugle less than 100 yards, I mean, it incites something inside me. I'm not even sure how to describe it. <laughs> adrenaline rush. Oh, man. definitely adrenaline. But, like, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm in there with them. I'm, I'm acting like I'm supposed to, you know, back to my roots and nature. And that's that's what it is for me. So, Josh, you've heard us talking about it, and, you know, you've you've known about it. And stuff. So, this year you're planning on trying to get out there. What is that that's calling you? Well, I mean, part of it, just listening to you guys. You know, it's, it seems to be contagious. Uh, it, the adventure a lot of it's the adventure you know why do I kayak fish I, it's getting to go somewhere where others don't getting to see things that others do not see so the adventure of it uh, trying something new being around friends you know all the above is uh, definitely something that's of interest and just hearing what you guys the stories I mean the story we're about to hear um, just makes you okay, yeah, I want to experience this. I want to see what it is, and I'm going to do whatever I can to, uh, you know, do. I think another thing that really makes hunting out west great is the preparing for it months ahead of time. Um, Because when we say we're hunting out west, we are not going through a guide. Um, We are not using someone to um, pack us into the backcountry. I'm not against that. I think that can be a great, um, a, a great way to get into the backcountry. Great way to get your gear back there. All depends on your fitness level. Depends on your age. Uh, depends on the amount of effort you're willing to put forth. But for me, preparing months ahead of time, um, using it, using a upcoming trip out west as incentive to change your lifestyle in the sense of uh, eating, drinking, uh, not being lazy and just sitting on the couch, sure. um, getting some rucks in, well, I mean, getting getting ready before you go out, and then it makes once you get there, you feel prepared. Right, and like we've even taken the steps forward of purchasing goats. I mean, I know Tim, you've already purchased goats. You guys mm-hmm. have four out here, and yep. you not not just any goat, but pack goats. yeah, actual pack goats. These aren't your standard small pygmy goat. Most other goats could walk underneath these pack goats. Right, and so. With that being said, you purchased another goat, I purchased a goat, and Josh, you got three. Josh has got three coming. Yep. So, I mean, that's, we're taking, I mean, it's a, we're making an investment into this of something that we want to do. So, these elk trips for us, we are packing in um, everything we need for the week. Uh, it's on our backs. Okay, so I want to, we're going to take a quick break, get a drink here real quick, because I want to try something else with this audio, okay? So, everyone just sit tight. Okay, so we're back. I think we just corrected a little bit. 
of our audio. Like I said last week, and we are learning on the fly here. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks we will have this all dialed in real well. But as we go, if we hear something, we're going to try to fix it to give you guys the best quality that we can now. So, all right, well, we talked about why why we think we love it or why we think we want to get into it and what we want to do. Um, so the reason we are talking elk this week and why we're doing this podcast is it is that counting, time of year again. Right, to start applying for elk hunts. Start planning your hunt. And Wyoming is, I think, the first one. It's the earliest deadline. And the deadline is the end of January to put in for a draw elk hunt. And myself and Timmy have been putting in now for a few years. Josh, have you put into Wyoming yet? One year. So Josh is one year in. And so with that being said, today, actually, probably while we're doing this podcast, we're looking into it right now, we are going to put in for Wyoming. And uh, we have an area that we've been putting in for while where we want to go. Timmy has actually hunted this area before. And, Tim, you actually took your first archery elk there, right? Yep. Yep. And so, with that being said, we are looking into our points today and all of our information. Tim, how many points do you have? Uh, Wyoming elk, I have four points. So brushing up on what we were referring to when we say points, um, for these limited entry units in any state, whether it be Wyoming, Colorado, uh, Montana, the state is divided up into quadrants or into units. And um, each unit, you can only have a certain amount of hunters or they'll only allocate so many tags. So funny thing, I know this has changed the subject real quick, but do you remember actually when we began deer hunting here in Missouri? There was actually units then too. Mm-hmm. Okay, I you yeah. had to buy because like you could get an any deer tag, which would work statewide, but you had to yes. specifically pick what unit your date you, that you would shoot a doe. <laughs> <So. laughs> there, there's gonna be a lot of people that remember that, but there's also gonna be some of the newbies that had what? no I could idea deer anywhere. So anyway, well, yeah, a so. lot of people, as long as they've been hunting in Missouri, they could shoot as many deer as they wanted. Right, and buy as many tags. That's not how it is out west. They'll only allocate so many tags for a specific unit, and these limited entry units, um, if you put in and you don't draw, then you are awarded a preference point. You can also put in just for a preference point um, and not actually put in for a hunt if you're hunting a different state or taking a season off or or for whatever reason. Maybe you're not able to train or... Um, for whatever reason, but or, that's what a point is. Or like me, where I had shoulder surgery, if if it was happening in you know June or July, there's no way I could be archery hunting in September. Yeah. So, um, Josh, that's what you did last year, right? You just purchased a preference point. Yeah, yeah, and I will say, you know, not ever doing this. So obviously, I'm the newest of the group. Not ever doing this, it's it's can get kind of confusing uh, what you're doing and what you're purchasing. You don't want to necessarily have purchase something you don't need so so we're not we're not going to cover all of that but we are going to try to right. touch into it a little bit because it is very confusing every there, state is always, different and it's always changing there's um, actually some services out there you can pay and for them to put in for you and on the way here i actually was listening to hunting full about wyoming's application so i mean you know we're no experts and we encourage you to jump out and 
do your research as well. But so it's not back. something you have to do, but it's one way to look at it is, is it, it is a poor man's way of getting a quality hunt out there. We're not again. We're not paying ten thousand dollars or or more for a for an elk hunt, right? On on good ground, everything we hunt is public. We're not hunting any private, um, but it is a way to get a quality hunt on a blue collar budget. So as far as elk go in Wyoming, like Tim said, he has four elk points. I actually have five, and that's due to uh, Timmy my missing, stupidity. Oh, missing I was so freaking mad. And, yeah. I just missed a year. Yeah. Dougie mentioned it. the deadline is the end of this month to put in, and I just missed it. And, and it's one of those things where, like, we knew, and he's like, oh, yeah, we got to do this. We Life talked about happens. it, and you're doing other stuff. So, actually, last year when we were putting it for our Colorado, I actually set a automated text message, and it texted I got me it every day. Every day at 10 <laughs> o'clock a.m. <Yeah. laughs> hey, put in for Colorado. That's a good way to get your hunting buddy to not forget and get his <laughs> – point so and i then, got tired of getting the texts and then i have two antelope points in wyoming we aren't putting in for antelope this year timmy you have how many uh, six you have six antelope points and then what were you saying you have how many antelope points in colorado which antelope hunting is is a ton of fun out there but yeah you it, there's a ton that goes into the points and like you said we're not going to talk all about it but you can get to a point where you have too many points and it's not helping you for the type of hunt you want to go it's, on. It's often referred to as point creep. As you get into it, you'll learn about it. Um, that's a whole nother show on its on its own. But Colorado, I have 11. 11 antelope points. 11 antelope. And, and I don't think I have any. I think I have mule deer. How many How many mule deer points you have? Uh, for Colorado? Mm-hmm. Four. Okay. So, so if I, you want to go... I have, go ahead. I think I have close to the same amount of mule yeah. deer because you you actually went on a mule deer hunt in Colorado, so you burn yeah. them and then now you're starting. Them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I and I don't I won't put in for deer for Wyoming anymore. Just make, personal preference. Right. Um. After going high country mule deer hunt hunting when you're up there, ten thousand plus in a huge basin. You're right. Um. That that is a whole nother story, a whole nother yeah, we'll episode. Get, but that gets in your skin, and that's very difficult to find in Wyoming. So let me ask you guys this. Yeah. Is there a target point total that you're looking for that you know when you put in, most likely you will get drawn? So I will say that... Let's for, talk Wyoming first. Okay, so where we are going, where we are putting in for in Wyoming, there is a amount of points that is near 10... It's under 10 that had a hundred percent draw last year 10 or more points your your chances of drawing a tag are a hundred percent so these people and have I'm, been I'm putting I'm, in for at least 10 years and it does make a difference right. if you're a resident or non-resident yeah because well like I mean in in Wyoming only 16 percent of the tags go into the random draw I think is what they yeah. said so what or 16 percent is a lot no 16 percent is allocated for non-residents. So that means there needs to be four, like usually four tags that are going in an, in a single unit to out-of-staters, three of which will go to this point system. One will go to completely random. Completely random draw. So, so with that being said, the same unit with seven points is like an 83% 
draw. I'm not for sure if that is resident or non-resident, but like, so one of the things we have to talk about today is when we originally started doing this, me and Timmy put in together as a party. So if I get drawn, Timmy gets drawn. If he gets drawn, I get drawn. With him having so many points in Colorado, I went with him without a tag. Once we did that, we kind of started talking more about the chances of us both going on a western elk hunt and both harvesting an elk is very low just due to time. I mean, you know, percentage rates. So we've talked some about just both applying separately. And with the forward thought, hey, if you get drawn, I'm going with you. Mm -hmm. If I get drawn, you're going with me. Because, you know, don't want to go out and do it alone, but that ups our chance of being drawn. Because right now, I, I would say where we want to go in Wyoming, we are on the low side of our points to get drawn together. We are most likely our chances are in the random draw. Well, with one tag being allocated at that random draw, we can't do it together. So when they see Tim Yoder pop up, but he is tagged as a party, he gets thrown out. Yep, I'm out. So that's something we have to decide. But so to answer if, your question, though, too, it depends on where you want to go and right. what type of hunt you want. So Timmy had you how don't many even points? have to have points to go hunting out there. It's not, yeah, it's in not, certain units, so currently, and I hope how it many, stays that way. How many points did you have when you went to Colorado on this uh, last elk hunt? Yes, uh, over ten, less than twenty. Right. So <laughs> that's that is putting more than ten, but less than twenty years in buying points for this hunt. And, and and we're not being facetious with the numbers um, due to like, We're we just don't not know. telling you where we're going. <laughs> exactly. Because I don't want to see you in my elk hunting spot. <laughs> That's right. And no it, offense. And it, and it's, we want you to go, and we're doing this because we want people to get involved. We want people to put in, but we want you to do your own research, pick your own areas. I don't want to tell you the area that we want to go because we are planning on going back there, hopefully every chance that we get. And we saw two other hunters while we were in there. Mm-hmm. And that was very nice, not seeing 50. So, um, those were the only hunters we saw, and they were residents. So, but that and was only a, one, and only one was hunting, just like how you were. Yeah, the only both hunters, are so. residents, one was hunting, and, and so, uh, so that's how we at. Um, so to your point, is number depends on where you have chosen that you want to go. Now, what if you don't have points? What if you're like, hey, I want to go out west and hunt? Is there an option? Colorado, most likely, <laughs> and um, they don't like that. But uh, right. just statistically, Colorado has the most over OTC the or over-the-counter tags available. And and as a person that has no points, another there's options. And we just talked about it earlier before we got started. Unfortunately, we don't we get confused. But Wyoming, no, sorry, Arizona, New Mexico, one of them is you. They don't have preference points. Every year you put in your new, and you yeah, put in just for as it, good a chance as, as anyone. anybody else. Locals. I know guys that have no, put in for there's eight always, years. Always residents have a better chance, okay. but mm-hmm. theirs is different. And then the other one... So so one of them... I know a guy that's been putting in for, for eight years has never got drawn. And then another guy that put in one year and gets exactly. drawn the first year. It's just luck of the draw. Right. The other one... And again, apologize. We don't, we don't remember exactly what it is. They have a system in, in the way that if I put in... For four years, my name goes in the hat four times. 
So you do have a better chance of getting drawn only because your name is in the hat more often. Yeah. But that still does not guarantee. That's that's right. I don't know which one. One's brand new every year. The other one, you're just getting extra names. So And it's always changing. Yeah. So, it's always changing. So the best advice is do your research. And get started as soon as possible if you want to get into different hunts. And find a hunting buddy. Find someone else that's interested. So just two, two great two great resources um, for you guys to do your research the same way we have is Hunting Fool, uh, which is a publication, as well as online. Um, like everything, they're going more and more digital. Hunting Fool is great. They have very good descriptions of each unit, um, good descriptions of the species and what to expect in that unit, size-wise even. Um, and then uh, Go Hunt is also great. Yeah. Um, a great resource. And if you are an elite member of Onyx, you get Hunting Fool. No. Which one do you get? I yes, know. it's Hunting I am, Fool. I am elite member for Onyx. I don't know what I have. I mean, I have Hunting Fool, or I mean, Go Hunt to do. If you have Onyx, you get a membership. And I wish. For one or the other? Hunting full is what it is. No, oh, okay. So, so that's something to know. Something to know. So you don't have to have points. Does it help? Absolutely. Um, one thing I would strongly suggest, because this is a huge mistake I made, and if I could go back and change it, I would. Um, I was all in on on buying points. Where I went wrong was my high country mule deer hunt um, in Colorado. I had a lot of points, which was great because it put me in a very, very good unit, and it put me on some really good uh, bucks. But you could have went quicker. I could have went quicker, and that's what I would have done um, because I cut my teeth. My first high country mule deer hunt, um, the first spot and stock I put on a buck, my very first one, after showing... Uh, some residents out there, some pictures that I later got of the buck when he was bedded, was a 180 class mule deer, which is which great is deer. which is a good deer. I mean, that's a solid mule deer buck. Had I connected on him, that'd have been great. It almost would have been a little too good. Um, I feel like I really wish I would have gone um, maybe when I had fewer points or over the counter, cut my teeth on a hundred inch buck um, or a hundred twenty inch buck. I don't care, but it was a little bittersweet to cut your teeth and learn those hard hunting lessons that everyone has to learn. I don't care if you're hunting in Missouri or hunting in Colorado, you're going to learn them. It's a little easier pill to swallow when you see your arrow fly right over a 120-inch buck compared to a 180-inch buck. <laughs> yes. And the exact same thing happened in Wyoming. Before I made the connection on the on the bull that I did, I uh, I made the mistake on a very nice, very large bull. Yes, I remember that. So one I'm too. very appreciative for the lessons, but it would have been nicer what, if they were a little smaller. What's kind of crazy is you have footage, video, pictures of both of those animals. Yeah. So you're able to show people, you know, show people that that animal that you've actually missed and stuff. So. With that being said, I've already started my application process a little bit. Um, Tim, are you gonna get going on that as well, or are we just yeah? Wait I, well, 
We just went away to. We're already on the twenty third, so no, I'm gonna do it while we're talking right now because I am not missing it again. Okay, BB, did you already buy yours? Not this year. No, but okay. we're gonna. We're not gonna let you forget. No, we're not gonna let him forget. But we're gonna talk a little bit more because we we hadn't quite got his um some of his stuff looked into prior. Are we going to put in separately? That's kind of the big question this year. For Wyoming? Yeah. Or do we want to just go no, ahead? No, I think we should just put in separate. Because we've already decided if if I get drawn, you're going, and vice versa. Okay. I, just like your wife owes you a, a, <laughs> a Chiefs game, um, I owe you a, a Western hunt for sure after last year, well, two years ago. We'll, we'll get into that story. That is how we're going to finish this episode. Um, Actually, with that being said, we are at the third close to the 30-minute mark. We're kind of doing this. We can do it in the background. Let's go ahead and start. Um, moving on to the story of Tim's epic elk hunt yeah. that I don't know found if I us. would label it epic. Epic would have been if we had the huge rack coming home You're right. on the roof. But that would have been epic. Epic story. Epic in a way of adventure and there's lessons and to be learned i have some brainstorms for the name of this episode um <laughs> and we'll have to put one of those on there but let's talk about how we started an elk hunt the excitement levels what we expected what we wanted to do and then how we came to be in an emergency room in colorado yeah so with that being said we got started this is the 2022 elk season. Yep. Two years ago. And we started out on Thursday. Middle of September. September 15th. Yep. I mean, it was opening day of whitetail season here in Missouri, but we were packing to head, head west. west. And um, at this time, we took your forerunner. Yeah. And I'm staring at the picture right now of us packed, getting ready to pull out of my yard. And we are packed to the gills. Yep. yep. We had the whole whole back patch full, had a topper on, and we were headed west. And Coolers were empty, but we were hoping to fill them. They might have had some gear in them. They weren't completely empty. Yeah, they had some gear in them. And maybe some some alcohol and a few of them. Yeah. A couple beers. Now, actually, I don't even know if we did that because we were ready to drink Western beer. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah. and that's a, uh, that's a part of going out there too, is getting to uh, check out. So we'll, we'll visit that as we the go. The local so, breweries. So we left on Thursday. It just happened to be that the Chiefs played the Chargers that night. Yep. So our plan was to leave early enough and make it about halfway through Kansas to stop at a brewery slash pizzeria and eat and watch the game there. Hayes, Kansas, that's where we stopped. Hayes, okay. I couldn't remember. So I'm and I remember getting a picture from both of you. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in we're in Hayes, Kansas. We stop, we eat, and drink a couple brews, and watch the game. Till, we watched until halftime, right? Mm-hmm. And then we were like, you know what, let's, let's get started. We watched them put a whooping on the Chargers. That wasn't – actually, that game was not a whooping – because I remember how that game ended. Mm. It was down to the wire. Oh, well, you maybe know? maybe by the time we left. Okay, so yeah, maybe while we left it was decent. Um, it came down to a tight game. We decided to drive, and I was watching on Timmy's iPad as we drove down the interstate. And that game was won by uh, interception in the end zone. Mm. We intercepted 
uh, yeah. Herbert and Enzo. So that's how that game ended. But that got us, you know, even more excited. We we were, you know, headed out west. We were on a high. The Chiefs won and made it into Flagler, Colorado, and camped for the night. Do you remember that place? Yeah. yeah. So we pulled up in the dark to a wildlife area, um, you know, that had allowed camping and threw a tent out and. I'm not staying in a hotel room. I already have all the camp and stuff. So we just threw a tent out. Is that the same yeah, one you're same looking at? I got up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what we're doing is we're kind of looking back through our photos to kind of keep this timeline going. I mean, it's two years ago. You got to spark the memory. And so so we stayed there that night, woke up. Got got right back out on the road. Well, first we stopped and got us some really good coffee from that uh, little coffee shop that was close to there. Remember that one? I do. Uh, another thing that we talk about that we enjoy about, you know, Colorado is, you know, breweries, their coffee shops, they're, they're so welcoming, um, you know, they're very pushed towards the outdoor-minded people, uh, you know, dog-friendly, you got free water, fill up your Nalgene, fill up your water bottle while you're there, and uh, so we make, we try to make a few stops like that while we're, while we're traveling. We like to support the locals every chance we get. And so, yep. And then, you know, we we made our, our pass on through um, the next day, so we're Friday, and made it. So basically, for lack of the exact location, we, we are... We made it to the closest city of civilization. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we can go say... We, we are near the Gunnison area, so we made it to Gunnison for our final you know, pick up the last minute things. We ate there as well. And we got a good meal on ourselves and started driving up the mountain and made a base camp. Yes. We stopped in another little small town on the way, stopped at a couple of fly shops. Um, we did take a fly rod with us up into the mountains, hoping, you know, maybe to catch some trout while we we're up there. Um, where we ended up, that ended up not being a, a thing that we did, but, so, so we made it to our base camp Friday night. Uh, what altitude do you think we were at our base camp? Do you know, or are you asking? Did you look it I, up? I know roughly. I think um, wasn't base about seven or eight. Oh, I thought it was more than that. It may have been. Here, I'll, I'll look. Well, up. while you guys are figuring that out, yeah, go ahead. How far was base camp from your car? No, well, base, base camp camp's is at, at the car. car. Oh, so base camp spike is camp. at the car. Yeah. Okay. Spike, yeah. Well, base and then... Spike camp. So base camp is right there at the car. Um, that's where I carry an extra uh, sleeping pad. A nicer, thicker sleeping pad. Sleep an actual cot. cot. Yeah. Um, not sleeping on the ground for, for base camp. Um, I, th- I would say we were near nine. Okay, so it might have been eight or nine. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're up there. Yeah. I mean, that's not crazy high but it's definitely a lot higher than where we're sitting right now which is well below a thousand feet above sea level being at home but and what i did was i looked up the little township that we had to stop in and it's well over eight yeah and so we went up from there so yeah you're right then so we're we're close to nine thousand. we we cook up a meal that night get us a good meal in us Yep. You know, a good camp meal. Real real food. Not oh, no, fresh. no, we didn't eat that night. We actually ate at a burger place. Oh, okay. Before we went up, didn't we? 
No, no. No, we did. We yeah. that's when I that made was... the chicken, chicken yes. and rice, yep. Chinese chicken. So yep, yep. We cooked up a good meal I on the blackstone. On the blackstone. We, yeah. See, we even had the little you know travel blackstone with us on that. Um, sit around, get the bow out. You I shot, shot. The bow. Yep. Could have sworn I heard an elk bugle. I don't think I did. Now thinking back, but possible. I was excited. I wanted to hear one. I mean, I it's, guess I could have. But um, there was a few other people that came up in there on side by sides. I think possibly a mule deer hunter had came up in that area. Mm-hmm. And uh, next morning, wake up. So we're close to the unit that we're gonna hunt, obviously, but we're not actually in the unit. Oh, we're actually not where we're no. at there. No, I didn't know that. We're not quite to the unit. We actually hike in again. Okay. Um, we're hiking packs, packs on our back. Well, so the next morning we wake up mm-hmm. and we hit the trail with packs on our back. And this is no goats. And no goats. Sing- no goats on this one. Single packs. And what what would you say? I mean, roughly, what do you think you were carrying in? Weight wise? Yep. <clears throat> I don't know. I feel like. People always feel like they're carrying more than what they actually are. Oh, I but think so too. I, I know. I have no clue what I carried in. I know what I carried out. <laughs> yeah, because you weighed it. That, yeah. <laughs> well, you had some extra stuff on your way out. I was pretty light going out. Um, we'll get there. But um, I don't know. I think I was around the sixty-ish mark. I wasn't super light, but I wasn't super heavy either. I was gonna say. I think I would say around fifty-ish is what I was at. I yeah. think possibly both of us were at fifty-ish because. On the way out, I was 65. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. I, and that was I was estimating a little high. Ever. So, quick gear review. Okay. okay. Make this fast. But yeah. Let's go over, you know, your, your checklist of what we have, what you're carrying in right now. We went in a little heavier than what we could have just because we wanted to have a few luxuries. I don't, um, I we, don't know if I would have cut anything out, really, though, because, I mean, I... No, I'm not saying I would have cut anything out, I, but we, we each packed in our own tent, so, which I like. I like yeah. having some space so, in the evening. So mine, I'll just go through mine real quick, and then Tim can go through hers. I had a Kuyu pack. Um, what size is that one? That's the big one. That's a 74. 74. Okay. 74 uh, cubic inches. So I had 74 cubic inch Kuyu pack. I had a two-man spur light mm-hmm. um, tent. Big egg. Big, big Agnes. spur light. Um, and then um, I have, I think I had a zero-degree bag. Not knowing whether yeah it's a down a synthetic down bag um, from Slumberjack, and then you had I had um, Sawyer water purification with a high, I had a hydration bladder in my pack which is liters huh how many liters two we didn't carry in a lot of water because we knew, we knew water, was water was there okay. and so Colorado I, was great because generally speaking there's going to be water yeah. but I had it I did actually carry in a two liter hydration pack in my pack with I had a secondary um, hydration pack that opens so I could capture water and use the Sawyer as a gravity feed to filter my water um, Tim did not take a black or a, a hydration bladder on his pack but I think after this hunt he decided that he will from now on yeah because it's it's nice to have water at any moment you don't have to fish for your Nalgene you don't have to read I right. can just grab the straw put it in Took one change of clothes, a couple extra pairs of socks. Um, did take some puffy in case it got cold and rain gear, obviously, um, just to have it. How many um, days of food did we take in the first time? That was a question I was going to ask. I don't remember if we took three or four. Yeah. I think we took four. It, be, going in that first time, you just you don't really know what you're going to run into. You might 
run into nothing and, and come out, but at least you have food to come out with, or you might find elk and want to stay back there. I think, I think if I remember, I think we took four, you know, we, I had each, each day of my food packed into Ziploc baggies. One gallon Ziplocs. And then breakfast, uh, lunch, dinner. Yeah. Well, that's all my, that was all my like food that went along and then I would take a, a, um, peak refuel for breakfast and dinner. And I use Peak Refuel. I think Tim had a few different ones because he'd already had them from other times. Yep. Um, yeah. I have tried a few other ones, and I'm a big Peak Refuel guy. <laughs> I, it tastes good to me. I can eat it. Like, I can eat it right now. And that's a big deal. Um, we'll talk about this as we get on this, about wanting to eat and being able to eat. Yeah. Um, I took – I did take a solar panel and a battery pack for my phone. Um, using my phone for pictures, obviously, but also – we use it a lot for our Onyx and keeping our compass and keeping our bearings going. I did not have to carry a a uh, bow with me oh. since I didn't have a tag. I had a bugle tube and all my calls, and obviously buying a harness on with my binoculars. But that's we'd, what I had. We'd switch back and forth who who was carrying the camera, video camera. Oh yeah, and we had a video camera. Yeah, yeah GPS, just our phone. Just phone. yeah, phones nowadays are so good. That's another great thing about Colorado is generally. You have enough reception to, uh, you you always have enough reception to run your Onyx. And I also did get Spot X, which was a satellite communication device, and took with us. Yeah, and had where myself and Timmy both could communicate back home, and that it's, it's it actually turned out to, to be more of a necessary thing. Well, this one it was absolutely necessary on this hunt. So. But it's nice to be able just to communicate with. Um, with whoever, just to let them know you're there. Maybe every other day, let them know you're safe. Let so them what, know it's good. Go through your quick. Uh... Yeah, mine's pretty simple, or pretty much the same. Um, I, I was running a QU, and there's nothing wrong with QU. It's a fantastic brand. Um, but I very much prefer Kafaru packs. Um, I'm running the Hoodlum Kafaru pack, and then I have just a uh, very standard. Thermarest Neo Air pad, Western Mountaineering down sleeping bag. I ran a Hilleberg tent on this one. Definitely an overkill when you're hunting elk. Um, I well, don't think I'll take the Hilleberg next time. It's a four season, right? It's a three season. Three season, I mean. Okay. It's yeah. a three season. Uh, it's a two person Hilleberg. It's more the weight. It's yeah. just now when we take our goats, it won't matter. Right. So that being said, I guess I will probably run it again. Well, if, we'll, but if we'll I have a decision to make if we're going to each have our own tents or if we're going to take one. Oh, we're each going to have our own tents, but I think it's the best. I like I like having it. Um, I've been on backcountry hunts where you're smelling the guy's armpits next to you, and it's not horrible. I mean, it's part of the hunt, but I just like I say, I prefer a little bit of space. Well, and, and every time they move, you're here. And that's that. more of it. You have to be able to sleep. That is the body's natural way to re-energize, and as we'll discuss, I was having a very hard time sleeping, and you don't get rested, you don't get re-energized. Okay, so, so that's, that's one area that I'm nervous about, well, is well, that I don't sleep a lot, so... You well, there's definitely that, things but... that you can do okay, so, and get... Yeah, so, and, and comfort is, like, that's we've talked about now, and, like, with taking goats from now on, uh, one thing that I skimped on, I didn't take a pillow, and I had a climate just static v like one of the most simple lightweight um pads which was fine but if i can splurge and have a more comfortable bed to lay on each night 
I, I probably will do it with you know with the goats. Makes it easier. And and dry, I know like like we said, you sleep four to five hours a night mostly here. Um, you, sleeping is your body's way of recharging. And I know sometimes you don't need it here, and you can make do. When you're out there and you're using as much energy as you are all day, I have a trouble sleeping. Tim can nap everywhere. I have a trouble napping, and I even was having not that hard of a time sleeping. Well, well here's the thing, though, too, guys, is this isn't a knock on anyone, but, Josh, your daily activity level being a banker is very low. Right. So your your uh, energy consumption used over the course of a day is very low here. Well, I sit in a car And Dougie sits in a car all day long being a state trooper. Um, when you're in the backcountry, when you're hiking, especially with a pack on your back, Son, that's another kind of energy, or not energy, but workout, exercise that you guys aren't used to. So you're you're going to really need to be able to sleep, but um, you and may sure... be e- easier to sleep, a little easier than what you think, because right. you're expelling more right, energy. Yeah. Yeah. So so that was some of your, you had Kafara pack. Yeah, uh, basically the only other things, I didn't take, I didn't run a Sawyer because I knew you were taking a Sawyer water purification. I yeah. would have one if I w- was going solo. Um, I like the uh, Sterilite. It's just a water... Um, SteriPen. SteriPen, yeah. Um, I run a Nalgene bottle to sterilize in, and then I like to take bladders yep. um, for in my pack. Uh, that water is the best water I've ever drank. <laughs> yeah, Dougie was enthralled with the backcountry water, the mountain I, water. I actually And it planned, does make a huge difference. People I don't understand bringing, this stuff, but... I planned on bringing some out with me. And bringing it home. Well, you had to bring most of them, half of my shit out. <laughs> so, so okay. So, and then what bow did you have on this hunt? I was uh, I was carrying the Matthews. Okay, which one? Yeah, that one. Oh, the is that the V three? Yeah, yeah. V three X. V three X. V three X. Real fast. I want to keep going with your bow setup. Just yeah, a little bit. well, that's kind of where this is going. So, you used to be a big Hoyt guy. Yeah. So real fast, let's talk about how the transition. transition. The transition is very simple. Dougie came over, being an asshole, and he was like, "Hey, look at the new bow I got." And I'm like, "Oh, big deal! Another Matthews. You've always shot Matthews." He shoots it, standing right next to me, and I look at him. I'm like, "Did you just shoot?" He goes, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Holy crap!" And I'm like, "Let me shoot that thing." And he's a right-handed guy, and I'm a right-handed guy as well, but I have to shoot archery left-handed. Because I can't close my left eye. Never have been able to. Um, So I shoot left-handed. I shot his right-handed Matthews. You have the V2, right? No. At that time. At that time, it was the V3. Oh, yes. They just changed the the X or whatever. Anyway, I shot it, and I was like, son of a gun. And that's all it took. Sold my carbon carbon Hoyt and bought a Matthews. And and so what he's coming down to is just the... The, you know, quietness, vibrating, low vibration. Um, he just liked the smoothness of the bow, and we we all are Matthews guys here now. Um, we don't knock the other bows. You can pick up any bow right now. That's one of the top of the line bows, especially Hoyt, PSE. Even is making great bows. Um, you know, Elite Archery has really nice bows. Botech. Botech. I mean, there. You have infinite options, and even now, the technology is so far advanced that 
even your your econo lines of bows like i mean matthews makes mission even those bows are great bows so so, so that was us we're looking at tim's bow right now Well, i went and grabbed it because i know you're going to want to ask me questions about it so, so the slider so you, when you're hey when you're choosing a bow shoot them all yes don't just don't go into it saying oh i want a matthews oh i want a hoyt so, I don't care if it's neon pink. It comes in one color, and it's neon pink, and it says, I like big dicks on it. If it shoots good <laughs> and has very little vibration and... Fits your budget? Yeah. Shoot it. Shoot whatever shoot, it. you can shoot you best. Gotta, you got to shoot what you shoot best and that you're confident, confident. in. Confidence is big. So so you can... You, anyway, you, so you, we had the bow. You do shoot a, what, fixed five pin? Yeah. Uh, it, it's a removable quiver, but I I no, no, leave I it on your pin. How many? You, were you oh, shooting? I'm sorry, the pin. Yeah, no, it is. Um, you have three, and it's, it's a, a slider it's pin. A, it's a movable three pin sight. Okay. One is a slider. Yeah, I do like I having a movable. Yeah. So that what shooting that, I think is a a good, um, blend. Uh, Timmy did shoot a single pin movable sight for a I while. Do do not recommend that. And he but missed a few deer due to. Always having to adjust your pins. Yep. I've never shot a deer that just walked up and stood there for ten minutes and at said, twenty yards Here I exactly. Am. Shoot me. So, so you shot not how it works. a three pin movable, so that way you could adjust for your longer yep. shots. Um, what arrow you're shooting? Gold tips at that time. Yep, gold tip kinetics. I really like a heavy arrow. Do you remember? For do you remember? Deer, what I actually shoot uh, the same arrow for whitetail and elk. Do you remember what your total arrow weight was? Oh, I don't have those notes with me. I don't. Close to 500? Yeah. Okay. I thought so. What broadhead were you shooting while we were out there? Um, Iron Wheels. Fixed blade. Oh, that's all they make. But Single a uh, or? Double bevel. Iron Wheel. I don't remember the name of it. Yeah. But it's their solid head. They have Venon heads now that are awesome. They also have a wide head. Yeah. Um, so the regular solid blade, double bevel with S-125s. Blades. Yeah. 120, 125 grains in the in the broadhead, but then um, I did have um, some additional weight up front collars. with the collar. So what's the total length of the bow? Uh, I shoot a 33. I like a little longer. So that's, you know, something that we talked about. Right. You know, uh, when I was looking and buying the so, lift. So generally speaking, a longer bow is going to be more forgiving. And there's, there's a lot of things going on, brace height and all that stuff, but Bows are a little different now. I had one of the original bows that were like 32 inches. It was a uh, high country. And that was before parallel limbs. So the riser on that bow was like 12 inches. And the, you know, the limbs took up the rest of that length. And every movement was amplified. Um, whereas now, a 32-inch bow, a 28-inch bow, riser-wise, you're only losing a couple inches. It's not... You know, a, well, a lot of that was the string angle on your face too back in the day angle, and yes. they, they've corrected a lot of that right you don't really have to worry a lot about that so but we're, we're shooting uh we're shooting compound bows oh, yeah. not gonna knock anything but we're not we're not uh, crossbow hunters and, and I think crossbow gets people out there it's not a bad thing I think you know there's some I, I think you should push to have the most fun the most rewarding hunt Personally, I wouldn't carry a crossbow around the mountains just due to the weight of it. Good God, no! So and cumbersome of it. So anyway, so we move in, we take off. We are 
on the trail. We head in. We are, we know we are going at least two miles back. Um, we don't know if we're going to go further than that. That's our first like point of reference that we want to get to. When we take off, you take the, the slow climb at the beginning. It's just kind of going, then we hit the switchbacks. And I remember still, you know, we're going up it. And, you know, I had, I, going into the hunt, I was not as prepared as, you know, I probably could have been. Um, I stay active. I'm, I would say I'm, you know, pretty, I stay pretty athletically inclined playing sports and stuff. Um, so I was, I was jogging and stuff beforehand, um, doing a little bit of lifting. We were playing volleyball a couple nights a week. Um, I played softball, so I, I was still staying active. But prior to the hunt, we even had people that knew us, or you know, people that knew us both. But talking to Tim, were like, you know, you know, a specific person asked Tim, you know, is, is Dougie gonna be able to make it in the mountains out there? And you know, I carry a little extra weight. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> a little. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and at that time, I, I was actually had slimmed down just a, a hair, but not not enough. Yeah. And uh, but. I'm like, I'll be fine, you know, I can, I can walk forever, and I can pack weight, I've, you know, I've been through basic training, I've been through the Highway Patrol Academy, I know how to embrace the suck and just deal with it, so I'm like, I'll be fine, we'll be fine, and well, I jokingly... I've, hunt, I've hunted with a lot of people, and, and obviously I hunted with you my whole life, but generally speaking, when you put some weight on someone's back, like, like actual weight, I'm not talking 5, 10, 15 pounds. When you right. put some weight on someone's back and then you add an incline to it, people are going to slow down. Yeah. They're embracing the suck. But I, I was honestly, I got to admit, and give credit where credit's due, I was surprised. You do very well. and and, and Better so, than I expected. And so on the way in, what I remember, we did have to break, you know, more going in the very first trip in. And and my my deal was not necessarily feeling tired or wore out or weak, but more of just, I can't breathe. I'm like, where's the oxygen at? And, you know, we're getting up there. And then no, your to... first deal was, we shouldn't even be here because there's no elk oh, here. yes. So for the first... <laughs> you tried to get me to turn around at least twice. <laughs> Probably. On the way in. You're like, we're not hunting. And we weren't. No. Walking in, I... we're, we're hiking in. We're we, not hunting. We were in a very barren area. Um you know, just did not look elky at all. Well, where we're hiking in, there are no trees. Yeah. You are hike at the trailhead, there are trees, and then you hike up and above them. So, never knew, but we, we got up the switchbacks, we crested over the rise of where we were trying to go, and as we crested, like, we went over the top and looked down into this valley where, you know, you had the timber, there were some rocks up higher, and instantly like just changed my mind completely like it was like oh we are in the back country now this is elk country and by that time we had hiked up the entire way and now we had a descent so how much elevation have you gained from when you started to where you're at now uh, have you ever looked at what our camp yeah is? i did but i had i didn't take notes on all that um, it's a steady consistent climb ever since you leave the trailhead i'll see if i can I always keep a hunting journal when I'm in the backcountry as well. And I don't think I wrote a single thing down on this trip. One, because it was it was pretty short. But two, as you guys will find out here soon, I, I was not in a 
good, healthy state of mind. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know for sure, but we were over 10,000, I would say, at this point. Don't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, so from here, we rise over, and then we start heading down into this valley, back down the ways. Now, things have changed. Mood's changed. Excitement levels have changed. We stop, we eat, we head down in here, and we come to a nice little flat area with some trees. Um, look like someone has camped there before. Actually, someone had camped there with horses before. But we decide to make our camp. And so, so is this where your strategic level or plan starts, you know, hey, this is what we're going to do? Well, this we got into our about. unit. We know we're in the unit that we want to hunt. This was and then where at we... at that point, you're just looking. You're yeah, like kind of Thinking like, you, you want to hunt that area, and then you're looking for a place to camp. And this is kind of like, yes, looking on the maps beforehand where we knew we kind of wanted to get into. I didn't realize how the maps looked how barren it was prior to getting to this area so that's why i was nervous but so we get here we camp and this was on friday we make it to our or no this is on saturday we make it into the wilderness we get to our campsite and so tim um i'll let you take over and kind of just start your your story of your hunt from here on and i will jump in and ask some questions and uh, Josh is going to have to step out for just a minute. He's got to make a, a, a work call, so we'll let him do that. And me, me and Timmy will take over this for a minute, and then maybe Josh will be back in here in a little bit. So, all right, Tim. So we get camp made the first night we're there, Saturday night. Yep, so we, we hike out of base camp, um, hike up to our spike camp. That first night, um, we pretty much just uh, set up our tents, uh, find a nice level spot, um, set our tent up. And then I think we just go for a short stroll. Yes. Yep. Um, yep. Just we move listen, on down. listening for elk, looking for elk. We um, never. I don't think we ever called. No. I think we just kind of went down, and as we were go- making our way down to the main valley, you spotted elk on yeah. the, the next mountainside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, they're, they're a ways away, and they are way up there. But... um. You remember the size of that bull? Oh, he was a monster. The two guys that actually hiked into our camp um, later that night, yeah. later then went on and tried to get on that guy. He and was a monster. And he was hanging above Timberline, really. He with had a, cows. He had a whole herd of cows yeah. up there. And you could just barely, just very faintly hear them. You could see them bugle right. before. Yep. So we saw those... Kind of looked around. We made it down to the valley. Mm-hmm. We saw another elk down there. Yeah. So that was that was our first elk we saw. Um, you know, this within, is just after hiking in, just in the evening, within distance of like, oh, that's approachable. That's a yeah. possible possible elk. Easy and, within a mile. Of and even just camp. seeing that first one, though, I mean, I was already excited. I had you know obviously wore my butt out. I was dog tired. <laughs> um, you know, bitching about my feet hurting, and we saw those elk, and I was totally restored. I was, I mean, I was ready to go from here on out. I've been on several elk hunts where it takes two, three, four days just to spot elk, yep. and we find elk the first night. So we make our way back to camp, and we actually see that other elk, that other bull, across the valley. Mm-hmm. There's, it was where we were at, off to our shoot. What would that be? To the east? Yeah went down into a creek and then back up a valley and then there was a flat area over there semi-open and there was a bull over there working some cows and bugling as we ate our dinner and, and 
went to bed that night. Which is always fun. So in the yeah, in the back country we're we're eating the peak refuel dehydrated meals, so you're boiling water, um pouring it in your uh pouring it in the pouch, stirring it up and letting it rest. And so I think sitting there waiting for your food to get ready and then eating it, listen to bull bugle. And I think for context I think that first night you actually had a non peak food. And I you, may have tried one of the other ones. You did. I took. I'm pretty sure because I remember one night, and I feel like it was that first night, you ate one, or you had one, and like you ate minimal. Yeah. I mean, you didn't eat enough to feed, feed a kid a food, and you're like, I just can't eat this. It's gross. Yeah. And so we went on from there, went to bed, and and I'm always, even when me and Tim go on our deer hunts now, I'm always the guy that's like, what time are we waking up? What time do we need to get out there? And Tim is a big, we'll wake up when we wake up kind of guy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, we'll get Not, up. I mean, yeah, on this hunt especially, turkey hunting, deer hunting, I'm sometimes getting up. So but. so basically Tim tells me, we'll, we'll wake up when we wake up and we'll get out there and I will start we this got a We got a good wake up call the next morning. So I'm actually sitting in my tent. I've woke up. I, I've always, even anytime that I've slept in a tent, like, man, that, that sun comes up. I'm usually waking up anyway. My first night, I was a little restless, um, but I slept pretty pretty decent. But I'm sitting there listening to Elk Bugle all over the place. While still lying in bed. Still laying in bed. And uh, I keep listening, and this one starts just ripping it. And I'm like, fuck, that's, that's not that far from us. A very distinct bugle. Yes. We ended up, call, we ended up naming this Elk Chuckles. Old Chuckles. And uh, so I'm like, we got... We gotta go. So I jump up, start throwing my stuff on. I I kick Timmy's tent. Like, get up. We got elk to chase after. <laughs> and I'm sure I was awake. Yeah, probably. But <laughs> I, I probably should have been up first. Yeah. And so Tim, <laughs> the comes, guy with the tag. <laughs> yeah. You would think. Yeah. So Tim comes out of the, out of the tent, and we we go. I mean, how far do you think we went from our Not tent? Far. I want to say 200 yards, just because that's my thing, and I like to. We definitely did not. Go well, I like yards. to. Give a give a <laughs> radius that we are well within. I don't want to say a hundred yards and we went two hundred. Okay, well I was well, going to say it we, wasn't very far. We I'll went, tell you that. Well, if we went a okay, hundred. We was... went. Yeah, by the time we left left the camp, the amount of time we walked to where we set up was minutes. Oh yeah, like like I, under five minutes. Okay, so yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm thinking under five minutes of walking we set up. Yeah, so set up less than a hundred and. I've I've never called elk before. Um, like I said, I've I've been turkey calling since I was probably 10, 11 years old. So I practiced in the off season, watched some videos. So so I start start calling and instantly start getting bugles back. He's answering, and I I call raking, doing all of what we are. Um, we end up calling in end up calling in two bulls. Yeah. Um, Chuckles actually did come in, mm-hmm. which was another very fine elk. Yeah, he was he was a big elk. He came in and stayed just out of bow range, or he he did not present himself he, like he the stayed, other ones. Yeah, stayed more hidden. The other one came in like thirty yards. Yeah, I could have shot the other one, but as the very first morning, morning, just a raghorn, which was fine. Yep, and and so we call them in. They're around for a while, and eventually they end up you know moving off. So Tim and I. Then eat breakfast real quick. I mean, first day of actual hunting. Yeah. 
and we move off and we head back down into the valley and, and head towards where we're going to hunt. And um, throughout that day, we called in. Was that the day we called in all the elk? You, you yeah. called in all the elk or was that the next day? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it was that day. That was our first day of full day and of that's hunting. That's the same day we called in all those elk. Yes. Okay. And we called in, I say. I was going to say, well, we called in three we other. We set up several times. So when we're looking for a spot to hunt, I mean, we don't, we don't, we haven't been where we're at. When I say like scouting sometimes in summers before, it's, it's not hiking into the backcountry and, and hiking around and looking. Yeah. So we have never been where we are. So we're, we're essentially hiking around, looking for sign, looking for elk, obviously more importantly, watching the wind and listening for elk. And, and we've, we get on, we hear, we, we hear several bugles. We get on a few other bulls. I, like I said, I think we called in three others that day. Well, we set up one time. Uh, we had the a... first time we set up. We set up too close to each other. The first and, two times. Yes, and I mean this is our first hunt out there in Colorado together. Because after calling. after the morning hunt, the next the good second one, one we called in, in was, was the around one that right, pond. Yes, and that was a nice bull. That, that was, was a nice six by six bull. He was smaller than Chuckles, but he was super dark horned. Yeah, I, we have him on video. Yeah. We ought to get some video up on him. And, uh, and we actually have video of Chuckles now that I think about it. Okay. It's not, you don't see him for very long, but you can see the magnitude of his horns. Yeah. Or and anyway, so, sorry. at that point, what, two things that we did that we learned for our setup is that we're setting up too close. Yeah. We were setting up like we do when we're calling turkeys. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, 10 yards apart was about where we were at. Also, we were, we set up in too thick of cover. Yeah. The big thing with the second one was um, we just weren't quite on the same page, and you started calling a little earlier. I was trying to look for a spot to set up, and right, you started okay. calling. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yes. And he yep. was committed. He was by himself. I think that's why he was he he came he came in to under twenty yards. Yeah, and I think what happened with that, Twice. I got I got excited because like he we called, he answered, and he was already with. I would say he was within oh he was a hundred yards probably. yeah he was so we were if so, you will in his bedroom yeah if you want to call I, it that and I should and, have waited um but I I thought Timmy you probably did, thought I was set up I thought you were set up and I also thought like he was already coming yeah so um but that's we, what I mean not being on the same right. page you're thinking one thing I'm yep. thinking the other thing and, and so we we worked that one we worked a couple other bulls have a good day of hunting um I mean it was fun exciting we were on here in elk all day you know we we took our break during the day um throughout the day um whereas i was talking about staying hydrated i feel like i drank five gallons of water and tim had to continually like he would say stuff like oh i need to remember to drink i need i need to drink get through this nalgene yeah so that we can stop and get water at the next place and then even with eating like well, that was that. I think the first is that when you had that salmon, packet of salmon. I don't know. And like you ate like half of it, and you're like, I can't yeah. even eat this. I was trying to think of like my mental state. I at think this you, point, going I think you were this. still so, good, but you were you were already starting to lack on your, your well, nutrition. Like I don't not want to eat. Not not my workout. My workout buddies will tell you this. Even here, I don't. I I, I actually really don't even like eating. Yeah, I, like even today, I it will be a struggle for me to get my macros in and get my water in. I just yeah. don't like eating, 
And again, when you're using that much energy and expelling those calories in the backcountry, it makes it that much more important. And we can talk about it later, but when you're deciding what to take as far as nutrition, as far as calories, it has to be stuff that you are excited to eat, that you want to eat, that tastes good because you have to. And I knew this, but still it was difficult to get it in. And and our water was was great. Yes. I've been I've been places the high country Colorado mule deer hunt. Um that water did not taste good. And we always take stuff to put in the water whether it be like a Gatorade powder, Mountain Ops, you know, energy, um lots of different things and we're using that stuff, electrolytes. It's not like it it was bad water, but um so and so like you're saying through the day we're we're taking in electrolytes and stuff for we're eating i you know i did a lot of research prior to what something i forgot to talk about actually was prior to going i had started looking up and doing some um studying on things that would help out with being in the altitude well you even, were taking some supplements even though i didn't had never you know experienced altitude sickness timmy has prior to this hunt well it's funny is again this high country mule deer hunt in colorado where we were actually higher than where we were, I did not have altitude sickness. I may have had a headache, which, yes, is a sign yeah. of it, but you can get headaches and not have altitude. Right. It did not affect me on that trip. Then on the mule deer hunt in Wyoming, when we weren't as high, it kicked your butt. It tore me up. Not to the extent of needing assistance off the mountain, but just mentally, you just you can't think straight. You start thinking things that aren't even there. Um, it did affect me then, and then on this trip, it. So at this point, so I, I'm feeling pretty good still. Yes. Even hiking cool. around, I'm, you're always going to be a little bit out of breath because you're expelling right. that kind of energy. But I was doing okay. So I think at this point, I was starting to yeah. get headaches though. So anyway, I was taking a supplement beforehand. Um, it was three. It was like ginkgo caloba, like vitamin C or something, or D. I can't remember. And I don't even remember the other one. I have to look it back up now. But I had actually made packets, and I vacuum sealed them together to daily packets of these these supplements. And what two weeks before we left to go to Colorado while we were at volleyball, I gave you them. Yep. And I lost them. And Timmy misplaced them, put them in a place you know that he wouldn't forget, and and ended up. Then I found them <laughs> weeks after we got back, and had I known that they were in my truck the whole entire time, less than. Four foot from me. Yeah. I could have been taken. And so I took those on the way out there. When he picked me up and we started heading west, we started drinking water. Like um, it was going out of style. And that's, you know, staying hydrated, being hydrated is an, another thing that helps. We also started dosing ibuprofen. Some, we had also read lot, about that. but we learned it wasn't enough. We learned that we were not doing nowhere near enough. Which seems backwards. The amount of ibuprofen you have to take to help combat altitude sickness seems like an unhealthy amount. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it would be unhealthy to do that all the time. But I mean, I'm also, like I said, I you know went through basic training, was in the military. They gave out 500 milligram ibuprofen like it was candy. So, um, can't be that bad for you, right? Yeah, I guess. So your your state of mind that day, um, we were still still excited, still enjoying the time. Um, oh yeah. That night, so this is our first full day of hunting. On our way back to camp, you remember that first night coming back to camp. I think that's when it, so through the day we're good and um, 
we're we're on a huge high because dude we called in and worked that many elk yeah it, that's insane um but yeah that first night we kind of got separated there's no kind of we definitely got separated hiking back which, which is, wasn't a big deal it wasn't because we both had a relative idea of what we were doing yeah i would say we marked spike camp on our maps don't leave your partner when you're in in the mountains generally we were we were close to each other not within eyesight yelling but, sight though but, probably yeah, yelling sight, yeah. yelling distance and and i actually could have shot an elk a, yeah. a raghorn bull on the way back to camp basically within 40 but again i didn't our decision making we both kind of were not exactly sure which direction or how close we were to camp my thought process is let's go back to the main trail that goes up to camp tim thought there was shorter just to continue going we were already bushwhacking through some black that's timber. also the area though that the map showed that there was a trail, was a trail. and there was it had, yes so i was like screw it i'm going left and i'm going back to the trail and tim, i kept trying to go the i was just quote unquote shorter way in which a lot of this might have been a decision from my lack of um physicality we were going over and under fallen timber through thick i was i was tired i I mean a full day of chasing elk i was tired um and i was like let's just get to a trail so i make it back to camp before tim go i will go ahead and go get water for us like tim said he actually got on another elk that night by himself just couldn't be in the right area and could have shot it but it was another smaller raghorn and after our day how it went you know we were still very confident that we were gonna have a good chance at a good bull so he eventually makes it back to camp i think that was actually when those guys came in it was yeah i was wrong it wasn't the first night it was so we we eat dinner they come over we visit with them talk talk elk talk where we're going the next day and everything and then the second day second full day of hunting so that that night i did have a hard time eating all my food yes which is not again it's not a surprise i mean it's not uncommon it should be for a guy of my size to you know to not be able to eat but that's just how i am yeah but um i think i slept pretty good that night yeah you know at this point i do kind of have a constant low-grade headache yes constantly and next day we get up go after elk again mm-hmm. work all day, you know work at elk all day right yeah yep and uh so that night not the first night but the second night we we really need to mention our camp buddy oh yes so yeah <laughs> old, b- pine old pine cone um the second night we were in camp i struggled sleeping for a little bit because while i'm in my tent i'm hearing something walk around within feet of our of our tents Feet as in brushing the side of your tent. Yes. And licking the cr- side of your and tent. And here crunching of eating. Um, and uh, I'm not sure what it is. And go ahead, Tim. Oh, it turned out to be pine cone, which was a mule deer doe. Um, there was two of them, mule deer doe and a spike buck. And the spike buck would, would come unusually close, but nothing like pine cone. Pinecone would come right up to you, and by right up to you, I mean within feet. I'm looking at a picture of her behind me now. Yeah, I have me too. I got pictures of her. But by the end of the trip, from our tent, we were tossing sweet tarts and gummy bears 
feet from us, and she'd come up and eat them. Might not be the best suggestion to do, but that's what we were doing. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was because she was not, um, she just hadn't seen a lot of people, and she was domesticated, or if everyone. She, I don't. There was not that many people that went back yeah, to where we were. Know. It's not like she got fed all the time. So it was strange, but she was no threat. It was it was fun. So that was um, Saturday. Sun. That was Sunday. So Monday we get back into hunting. Um, you remember much about Monday's hunting? Um, that's when we are. Uh, I mean, we went back the same way. No, actually, no. We go the other way, and that's when we find, um, we find those big uh, wallows. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, we went wallows. and we, that's when we found climbed. the big wallows. Yeah, we found the wallows on Monday. Um, get on and some we, elk. Yeah, we hear some elk, and we actually um, <coughs> we're calling at them, and we we think they're answering. Um, yep. That was yeah. That was the other side. Yes. Where where we saw the elk every night or almost every night, and then eventually we kind of loop back around, um, listen to chuckles some more. Yeah, he's on one side of the valley. There's a big opening, the open valley in the bottom. We can't cross to get to him, um, and we can't get on him that day. Um, that day, you. That day, my headache had still persisted. Yeah, but my fatigue level was really starting to set in. You were starting to get a lot more tired. Where where I felt like I was getting acclimated to the mountains, and getting better. I was going down. Timmy was deacclimating yeah. and getting worse. So then it was just to the point to where it took an enormous amount of energy to walk a very short distance. So you weren't. And we didn't even. No, no, you weren't quite that bad yet. Well, no, you were. You were still wasn't able to, to make everything. Yeah, but I'm just saying it it's it did take more energy or it felt like it took more energy to do something that shouldn't have taken that much energy. Right. So on Tuesday we wake up we go down toward our valley. Mhm. And we hear some elk and stuff in the morning, but it was very overcast. And actually eventually a storm starts to move and we can see a storm from the coming in, right? Mhm. And so we decide to go ahead and make a trip out to the car mm-hmm. to go ahead and refuel on food. Yeah. You remember this? Now? I think we maybe didn't take in quite as much food as what we thought. Listen, but we also left food there. Yeah, we it was we took about four because I don't was remember Saturday, why Sunday, we decided Monday, to come out. Because of the storm. And oh. and elk weren't bugling. Okay. And we decided, you know, we're gonna have to come out. We looked. I think we kind of looked at weather and stuff, so we're like, you know, it's going to get better. Well, I know. We we went out because of that storm coming in, yeah. but also we wanted to get more food to yes. stay back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we were wanted going to, to the, resupply. Because yeah, we, we were going we, to the car to resupply. Because we knew elk were there, so yeah. we're like, well, this is where we're going to be. We need to go get So more. we decide to make a trip out to the to the car. We're going to resupply. We're like, hey, let's go back. We'll eat a meal at the at the Forerunner. Mm-hmm. Get a good meal in us, resupply on our food, take some of the stuff that we decided we don't need out, yeah, and um, bring food back in with us. We get to get to base camp, and it starts pouring. Yeah, we actually are relatively close not not real close, but close enough. We decided to go into town. We'll take the time. We, we're not gonna. We were well. We had left our rain gear. Yeah, at camp. At camp. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, because it wasn't, maybe it wasn't, 
supposed to rain, but it just wasn't a good day. It just was windy. Oh, that's what it was. It was windy and overcast. I remember they weren't bugling. Yeah, so we decided to come out. So we didn't have our rain gear. And so we're like, you know what? Let's go into town and eat. So we do. And drive back up. And we actually hike back into our tents at night, at night in the dark. Yeah. So we get a good meal in and get to call the families, which is corny as it might sound, is actually um, generally, a, a, and it was, it's a very high morale boost getting to talk to the family and hear a loved one's voice and let them know what you've done, what you've seen, that you're okay, and you generally feel better after doing that. Yeah. And we did. And so looking back now, we probably shouldn't have – Hiked back in, hiked that back night. in at night because it was still misting. It was cooler. Um, you know, we made it in. It was fine. Uh, a little bit eerie at times when you could see eyeballs near the middle of the mountains. Yeah. You'd see eyeballs looking at you. In your your headlamp. Headlamp. Um, but we make it in, and that night while we are at camp sleeping, Timmy starts. He oh. already he already makes some noises when he sleeps a little bit, some moans and some groans. But that night he is mumbling and moaning and groaning enough that like at one point in time I holler at Tim I'm like hey who are you talking to over there yeah I'll back up just a little bit that hike in that's where I was really not feeling good yeah it happened it happened that that quick so as the day went on I said it felt like it took more energy than it should have for me to do something that just it magnified yeah. as time went on. So what? when we're eating in town, we're not doing anything. I remember walking around the restaurant there, walking around town, talking to Ashley and the girls on the phone, and I'm fine. I remember I'm winded. Yeah. Like I can actually remember having to stop talking and take two deep breaths yeah. and then start talking again. So just talking on the phone. But then hiking back in that night, well, that was the time when I was like, something's not and, right. And, well, and this is, you know, two days or three days prior, I'm the one that keeps saying, hey, let's take a break. Let's take a break. And I think on this way in, this time you keep being like, hey, let's. Oh, I'm for sure in the back. Yeah. And you're like, hey, let's let's make it to this next. And we don't have that much weight. Yeah. No. We have no tents. Yeah. I even left my bow in the mountains because we hiked out. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, the point is we didn't have that much weight. Right. So we get back to tent. I'm really feeling it. He's feeling it. While I'm, I'm feeling horrible. I'll, I remember literally just unzipping the tent, falling in, kicking my boots off. You had given me some pills, some pain pills. I think. Well, just before like some, we got there. Yeah, ibuprofen. It, yeah, it was just ibuprofen. Believe it was just ibuprofen. And once we but, got in the mountain, we were already we were taking that supplement each day. Also, it was almost like too much at that point. I was. Hoping a good night's sleep was going to help. Yeah. But looking back, it had set in too much. So the next day we get going, and throughout the day, I'm looking at a picture of you sitting on a log looking at your phone right here. And this is early. I mean, we're still early in our hunt, and this is early in the day. We're still hearing elk bugle and stuff, but Timmy almost looks defeated already. Well, I feel like I look lethargic. Yes. Like that's, it's I almost mean, work to keep my eyes open yep. and look up. Right. And so we sat down in the valley for quite a while while we're waiting on this cloud cover and, and mist to move out. And eventually it does. Yeah. 
It starts clearing up. We start back at it and finally find a good valley or another little opening and what happens there, Tim? I'm trying to remember. This was the second day. Is this when we got on my bull? Yeah, this is when we went back in. The first day back in. Okay. So this is so we. Day. This is where we had been hearing elk. Yeah, we finally we had been hearing elk, and we kind of halfway set up on some, and they didn't come in. We heard some more, so we moved in on them, and yeah, we moved to a flat. And I actually still have it on my Onyx. Yeah, this is mark. Wednesday. It was it was the most perfect setup for elk that I could have ever imagined. Yeah, it was just a perfect bench. So it's our fourth day of hunting, um, which one of the days you almost take out because that's our travel day of hiking out to the yeah. car and stuff. So, so we get set up on this. We have now, you know, figured out our setup better. Um, I'm set up to where this there is, is a, our, This is our best setup. This I, is how, it, how actually, it will be from here on out. Yes, I actually even had a big, like, kind of, not a cliff, but like a good, steep embankment behind me. So, like, nothing really could come from behind me. It would had to go around one of the sides Timmy is 50, 40 50 yeah. yards out significant front of me and he's around a small patch of bushes and a big tree mm-hmm. but then tree. but then there is op- a pretty good opening around him and into this open uh, field that he is talking about yeah it was definitely open yeah with just some sporadic trees yes and a little so, bit of high grass but yep and so I start calling the right? high grass let's yep. call it Raking, calling. Bulls answering. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's fired up. Well, multiple. Had, mul- yeah, yeah, I was going to say, we had multiple bulls answering in multiple directions. And I still remember when I this bull comes out in the corner, like, comes out to that opening. And when I see him, I mean, for, I mean, just see him, he's at probably at 100 yards to me at this point. Mm-hmm. But just... He's, so fully he's probably in the, 60, 70. Fully in the open to me. He's coming in. He's been fired up. I'm like, we've done it. Like, like awesome. Well, this, it, he's it was, hooked. It was such a perfect setup. Yeah. It's one of those times where you knew you were going to get a shot. Yep. So you he, knew it was going to happen. So he's working his way in. Tim, what happens there? Well, Dougie's, Dougie's back behind me calling and... um. The way this is set up is we're on this big bench, which which is just a big flat area on the side of a mountain. And um, where he steps down onto the bench or onto the flat, he's already within bow range. But he came off some very steep stuff. And yeah. the second he hit that flat, he is looking like directly in our direction and just lets out the loudest bugle I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Because... From me, he's 60, 70 yards and what within he, bow range oh, yeah. already. And what he's doing is he's reached that opening, and, and he that's probably where he thought mm-hmm. the cows were. Mm-hmm. And so at this time, I start raking. Yeah. And because I'm through, I'm on the other side of this opening, and it draws him through. He starts coming. So he's still walking. He's walking our direction, um, but he's not walking directly at me, which is a great perk. And he gets. Um, so I'm ready, and at this point, I am not at full draw, but I am clipped on and telling myself, stay calm, stay calm. You got to make it happen. You'd already pre-ranged. Yeah. 
Um, but he's coming close enough where Range ranging matter. wasn't going to yep. matter. He walks into 20-some yards, stops. It was probably right at 20 yards. Mm-hmm. Stops for no apparent reason. And he's not um, animal behavior. He's not displaying any kind of um, action showing he's nervous or, or no, he's, anything. He's comfortable. Um, and he looks my direction. I feel like he looks directly at me. And he may have been looking at me, but he had no idea what I was. Yeah. Um, I I get nervous at that point. I, I'm nervous that he's going to see me and run, but I just stay completely still. Um, he takes a couple more steps, and by this time, I had got to full draw. As he was walking in our direction, when he went behind a tree, I... I came to full draw. And, and at this point, I'm watching Timmy and the bull. For, for me, it looks like they're 10 feet apart. Yeah. Just because I'm sure of the you angle. thought it was a done deal. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. And, you know, I see Timmy at full draw. And the bulls, we've shot together for years. Oh, yeah. Years. And I know what Dougie's capable of. He knows what I'm capable of. Prior to, uh, to going out there, all through the summertime, we're shooting. Kid you not. I, we both can hit a skull can at 70 yards yeah. multiple times. Yes. And uh, this bull's at 20 yards. I'm at full draw. He looks right at me. I get a little nervous, but stay still and stay calm. He takes two more steps and stops again, and I let one fly. And instantly, I see Timmy bury his head into his hand and go down to his <laughs> knees once, the, once and, he runs off. And I hear the arrow hit, and like I see yep. the bull jerk and run. And I, I mean, I'm starting to, I'm one to celebrate. I start like to jump and stuff. And I kind of like come out to the edge where I can see Timmy, and Timmy just looks at me and shakes his head. I look right at you and shake my head. I knew instantly. I'm shooting those iron wheels, and it's it's the best quality broadhead I've ever shot. Sharper crap. And it um, it slid through that bull like hot butter. Just, just a knife going through hot butter, and but the problem was <laughs> the problem was the placement. So at 17 yards, fully capable of hitting a skull can at 70, I hit that bull square in the ass. It went through both hams, just zipped through him. He didn't even know what had happened, and I looked at Dougie and just shook my head, at, completely in disbelief. I had just. I had been putting in points for, again, over 10 years, but not quite 20, and I uh, I wounded an elk, which is which is part of bow hunting. Um, I'm not going to make any excuses for it. Uh, looking back, I know exactly what I did, but we actually, so, it took us a while for two veteran bow hunters who've trailed hundreds of animals. Oh, yeah. It took us a long time just to find blood. And, and we did. We trailed some blood. I was, bull, I was praying for a for moral artery from Wari, hit, but, but didn't blood, get it. No, blood definitely was not heavy enough. He went down, then started circling, and then started going right back up to where he came from, which was he went super down. Steep. He went down the mountain. He never laid down. Yeah, yeah. He no, never he went once down hill. I don't know that he even stopped. I don't we think found, he ever stopped. A lot of times, you'll big game animals will stop, try to collect themselves possibly thinking yeah. what the heck was that what the heck just happened and you'll find a pool of blood 
He so, never stopped. So we work our way from there. Um, keep trying to get on some elk. And as we are, so now on top of Timmy already feeling bad um, health-wise, he's down the dumps from this elk. And oh, my, my dick was in the sand. I was defeated. Yep. 17 yards to miss a this is, I mean, this is not a giant bull by any means, but it's three times as big as the one I shot in Wyoming. It, yeah, it's a, I mean, I'm not as versed in, in scoring elk as nearly what I am whitetails and right. not mule deer, but he was a nice bull. He was, he was a really nice six by six bull. So throughout the rest of the day, we keep trying to, you know, we're still after it. It's, it's a lot harder, but we start getting to where we're we're walking 30 yards and stopping to take breaks. Yeah, at this point it is it is very difficult to walk. So I think much I less think, walk and breathe and I knew something. I think was I'm wrong. a day ahead of myself. I think this was on Tuesday. Well, I mean there's a few days there, a couple right. days it was all it's progressively getting worse. So when so we hike because after I'm, we hit that bull we went back. That was towards the evening. We went back. We went night. back to camp. It was the next, but day. going back to camp was yes. bad. Yes. The next day, when we hiked even higher. higher. Yes. So we went back over that area because while we were there at that elk, we were hearing more elk. More elk. When we were looking for blood, we heard and three other elk yeah. bugle. And then when we were over there, we saw that big bull that was up high again. We saw him again. So we start moving up, and we get higher than we had been the entire time. Um, we get to a point. It's actually kind of cool that day and misty again. Yeah, lots and lots of moisture in the air. Yep. And we get to a point, and we need to get more more water. Timmy needs to eat. We we get set down, and um, I'm I'm gathering water, and Timmy has put on his puffy. I have every stitch of clothing I have on me, and then takes in my pack on. Yep. And then takes my puffy <laughs> coat and covers himself with it. And he's sitting cold. there shivering, and um, you weren't even cold. No, I wasn't cold. And um, we're talking, and like his his mental state was very down. And like I'm asking him questions. Um, he's by this time he's starting to message his wife on the on the spot X, and he's already told her how he's feeling. Just saying, I'm not feeling good. It's hard to breathe. So she starts probably crap. I should should not have been. Yeah. So she wife. starts researching at home to where she's starting to tell him you need to get off the mountain Tim's not really ready to give it up I um, keep asking what he wants to do and at this point we're, we have left our camp went down through the valley and way back up the other side and I said well I don't care what we do but we gotta start making our way back towards camp because if you can't make it I can't carry you back to our camp from here because we are a long ways away well that was the furthest we had ever gotten yes. from camp so we start going down towards the valley. And I would walk, like I said, 30 yards, 50 yards, and I would turn around and Timmy would be stopped. Halfway. Well, yeah, and sometimes not even that. And so I'd wait and he'd walk and he'd get halfway to me and stop again. And uh, we keep... At, at its worst, I had maybe 10 yards in me at a time. Yeah. And so Maybe. I started asking Tim, hey, what do you want to do? Like, you know, and he's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, this is your hunt. You know, I, I, at this point, I knew we probably needed to get off the mountain, but 
I didn't want to make the call because it wasn't my hunt. I wasn't the one that spent my points, my money. Um, so we start working away, and at one point in time, Timmy looks at me. He says, "I feel like every thirty seconds, my brain just resets." And by this point, we're down to the valley, and I'm like, "All right, yep, we need to go." It's just it was just like a. Like, it was, I mean, lack of better words, it was a reset. Yeah. I did. It almost, like, you know how when you take a nap, you're not a big nap taker. Yeah. Well, more so now. But when you take a nap and the, it's one of those naps that doesn't really do you that much good. And it feels like everything that happened prior in that day was a different day. Yeah. That's how it was. But it was every 30 seconds. Every 30 seconds felt like a new day. So. And I had no more energy. Yeah. I've, I had no oxygen. It yeah. felt incredibly difficult to just breathe so at this point we we we're down to our main the main trail that goes back up to our camp i did i take your pack or did i take your bow you you took my bow took the bow well first you stuffed those smelling salts in oh my yeah face. that was not pleasant yeah well that, there was t- at times it, where we were stopped and resting tim would i mean like he was like fading in and out of like sleep consciousness you know it was I mean, I'm no it, medical professional, but I'm a, I mean, I'm a first responder, and there are times where it was it was looking pretty pretty vague. So, I take his bow. He he just has his pack on, which we're really light at this time. I'm like, hey, I'm going to camp. I'm gonna start breaking camp down. Just follow the trail. If I get camp broke down, I will come back down the trail to you. And I get back to camp, start to break down camp. Um, the guys that we had met in there, um, one was an EMT and one was a firefighter. And they come over, and I'm talking to them. I'm telling them what you know, what's going on. And I tell them I'm I'm just going to take him into town. And they're like, "Well, you know what? You might just need to stay here tonight." And I'm like, "You think we just stay here?" And he's like, "Yeah." And then go back and you know maybe go back tomorrow if you want to go down. He's like, "It's about to be dark, you know this and that." I'm like, "I don't know. He's bad." And about that time, Tim comes stumbling into camp. So they start doing some vitals and checking different things asking Tim some questions and um, you know they're asking me questions like kind of for me to judge you know well they were asking I remember they would ask me a question yeah and then they look at you and go See, is that right right and and though he was knowing most stuff like he was taking like this was when the cough was really bad yeah too. you were coughing real bad and if um, I would push all the air out of my lungs like as far as I could I'd have this like mucusy water and um like i mean they would ask him you know what his anniversary was or whatever and it would take him you know two minutes to answer it and i'm like finally i just look i'm like nope i'm taking him down to the town and uh the guy looks at me says no you're going to gunnison and i say oh is it is it just that much lower that it'll help and he goes no that's the nearest emergency room so I start throwing as much of Timmy's stuff as I can fit into my pack. I have no idea what was in mine. And we pack everything up. The guys decide that they will walk out to the trailhead with us, which I'm very thankful for. Um, you know, we stay in touch with those guys still, you know, over Facebook and stuff, and never, you know, can tell them how much we appreciate them. We are walking. I'm following. Um, Tim is in between us I actually tried to go ahead because I was going to try to go down and get stuff and then come back and I actually got lost in the dark and had to wait and kind of catch back up and uh, we're going down the switchbacks going out 
I'm watching Tim as he's like stumbling forward and I'm, I'm having to reach up with my trekking pole and like kind of like hit him on the side and be like, hey, you know, straighten up because like he'd be like starting to like lean out like he's going to fall down the freaking mountain, which would not have been good to have to deal with that as well. Uh, we reach the trailhead. I throw base camp in the Forerunner as fast as possible. I'm, you know, packing wasn't even, I was just being thrown in. <laughs> And we head down off the mountain. Um, I pretty much just pass out yep. as soon as we get in the Forerunner. Yeah, but I, we, I mean, I just as soon as we get the Forerunner, I just get Tim in there with some water and say, It was you know, cold. Yep. I, I, was, I don't know if it was cold. It, I was cold. It wasn't that cold, but, I mean, for him he was. It was, it was cooler. You, you guys kept telling me we were close. How much further? Oh, it's right around the corner. And well, it, we went around a lot of corners. Yeah. So I go off the mountain. It was rough. I mean, it's big rocks. There's a lot of stuff. We go down and get to Gunnison ER at 2 in the morning. God, no idea. 1 in the morning. I don't know. It was late. Um, Tim ends up on a high-pressure oxygen mask for 7 hours. I don't know. It sucked. It I, hurt. I end up going to a motel room. Um, he stays at the hospital till the next morning uh come back in they you know basically said that he had severe altitude sickness and had well they took a picture of his lungs and they wheel it in and like i can just see the picture no doctor and i'm like tim your lungs are not supposed to look like that and uh, my mom actually died of a, a lung issue a lung disease and so i've seen you know i've seen my share of lung x-rays and stuff and his didn't look far from it at the time it didn't look like and he stays at the hospital um i come back and get him next morning um we leave he wheel him out he's they, he's carrying or wheeling out a oxygen tank he has to leave with an oxygen they tank. wouldn't let me leave without that stupid oxygen tank i was so pissed you were but i definitely think you needed it well 50 percent yeah they said i was down to 50 percent lung capacity yeah when they said that, I said, I told you it was hard to breathe. Yeah. So we make our way out, get some breakfast, go do some souvenir shopping. Um, you went and did some fishing. I did get a little bit of trout fishing in. We stopped. Um, we knew that we were going to go make it back as far as Colorado Springs that night. Um, so we, we just kind of took our time. Tim didn't do anything as far as any kind of you know effort and you know we make it back to Colorado Springs stay the night there and then head home um, and so now we have this story of how huh. <laughs> I I would say if we would have stayed a day longer we were using the emergency button on the spot X yeah. and we were they were sending in you know horses or a helicopter yeah yeah it was definitely I eye-opening experience like that you said we can't thank those two guys enough um, my wife calls them my guardian angels i don't think it's just by chance that two of the only two guys that we saw back there wander into our spike camp same place that we had set up they ask if if they could stay close by we said absolutely not no no big deal and two super cool dudes and um just coincidence that both of them are medically trained 
but like Dougie said, without them, probably probably wouldn't have got off, or it would have been much more difficult to get off that mountain. Oh yeah. Um, but it can happen really, really fast, and and it can. What was so surprising to me was that I, as we've said, I'm very um, physically active. Yep. Like I'm leaving here in a little bit to go to the gym, and I'll be there for two hours. Um, me and my, my two workout partners, we train a minimum of two hours um, multiple times a week, anywhere from three to four times a week. Um, and, and no knock on anyone, but, you know, Dougie just didn't have the time um, to do that much training with his career and everything and sits in a car, so he's not near as physically active. So you would think, I thought, if one of us was going to have an issue, it was going to be him, or more likely to be him, and it was the exact opposite. That altitude sickness or severe pulmonary edema does not care gender, race, activity level, how fit you are, how heavy you are, what your muscle mass is. It does not matter. And so, so with that being said, we don't we don't say this to, to divert every anyone from going to the mountains. Uh, we just just a story. And it's something to be aware of. And there are ways to battle it. Um, we've actually already been to the mountains since this. We plan on going back this fall. Um, there's actually a medication you can get from a doctor. I did get it. And had no problems while we were out there in June. That being said, when we go elk hunting, he will be taking the medication. The thing about it, though, altitude sickness, you can have it one year and go back the next year and it not affect you at all. And the next time we go out, it could be Dougie that gets it. Right. Um, but, I'm, but I'm Scottish, and I'm a Highlander. So. He's from the Highlands. <laughs> so, so I'm hoping that doesn't I ever think kick the, my butt. the most important thing is to be aware and um, know what to do. Know the signs. And, and know what you need to do and know, if it starts to Know your in. limits. Talk about it. And know, like, hey, if it gets this, we're coming out. And, and that's something, I mean, even if it was my elk hunt, Actually, if it was my elk hunt, we probably possibly might have even headed out earlier because I didn't want to make the call on his on his hunt. Like this was his deal. I didn't want to cut him off. So well, I didn't. I did not want to come out. You right. knew that. Neither one of us wanted to come out, but I really didn't. Right. After spending that many years, you know, over a decade collecting points, more than that, we had put in the time. Yeah, and unfortunately, more than that, we had found elk. Yeah, and we we shot elk. We had time. The, unfortunately, it wasn't something that he was going to be able to go to the hospital and then go back. Like, yeah. even when we came home, it was a few weeks. I mean, it was probably a month before you were back to. Yeah, I I came home and I could definitely tell a difference in my cardiovascular capabilities, uh, lung capacity, in working out. But you know what I think of is had we connected on an elk, work it. I don't know if we would have been able to get I don't it out. Know. The only thing would have been is a day earlier. I mean, we might have, if you would have got the one that you shot, we might have started. Yeah. And we might have got some of it out. Well, I mean, we would have definitely been on an emotional high. Yeah. A huge so. high. And that would have helped, but that only lasts so long. Well, hopefully, um, the story is entertaining enough for you guys. Yeah. It went longer, but I think it's a good story. I think people um, will enjoy listening to it and, you know, learn from us. Stay tuned. Um, we have talked about in the next little bit having some guests and maybe doing some shorts. 
um, short little podcast where we have a guest that comes on and talks about something and starting to put these out. I know last week we talked about maybe doing one a month or two a month. If we can keep content coming, we might put out these a little bit faster than what we originally With that being said, enjoy the rest of your day and come back and listen to us yahoos talk about our experience. Later. Okay, so after recording the podcast, we decided we are going to stop this right here. Um, we realized that the story of Timmy's elk hunt takes longer once we start going into detail than we thought. All the details. Yeah. So we're going to have a – it's going to be a two-part podcast. Um, we'll stop it here so you can hear all this part. And then if you want to hear the story of Timmy's hunt, tune back in to the next episode. Um, I'll post them both roughly same time so you won't have to wait long if you want to listen to that so stay tuned come back it'd be worth it